He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole. Kobe Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. We are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. I'm glad to be here on a Monday. The golf scene slowing down a bit for us. May was a busy month. Had a lot of fun out at Southern Hills, but get glad to be back in the swing of things. We have got so, so much to get to on today's show. It was just an action-packed weekend in the game of golf. We've got the huge news with John Rahm, everything that took place uh, Saturday. I mean, even before Saturday and then after the fact, just that whole situation, we'll break that all down. Patrick Cantlay and Colin Morikawa did go into a playoff yesterday that was a lot of fun. We'll get into that. The U.S. Women's Open went into a playoff with one of the biggest new young and -and up-and-coming stars in the women's game, has one of the best swings on the entire planet. We'll get into that. Taylor Moore had a great week on the Corn Ferry Tour. We've got Bryson and Brooks. We've got fans getting kicked out. We've got so, so much going on, and we're going to get into all of that. I promise we're going to get into every last bit of it, but we wanted to start out the show by by welcoming our good buddy Taylor Gooch, PGA Tour Pro, had a pretty good week out at Memorial, and he's uh, joining us now. So, Taylor, we appreciate you taking the time. How'd Memorial treat you this week? Uh, I am uh, going to need a couple days to recoup because that was uh, an exhausting week. That place, uh, that place is a is a beast. So, I'm, I'm glad to have some time at home to get some R and R. Uh, just out of curiosity, before I mean, we're going to dive into a ton of stuff here. But uh, did that course, like, could you notice the changes? Was it a much different golf course in, than in previous years? Was it a little bit different golf course in previous years? What were your thoughts on the changes? Uh, it's it's the so we we go to I've been to a few courses uh, over the years where they've made some you know somewhat drastic changes, and it was somewhat drastic uh, at at Muirfield, and it was easily the best. Uh, redo, if you will, uh, or adjustments that I've I've seen of golf course. Everything that was done was improved, and uh, we we all talked about it all week. We were super impressed, and we were a little bit surprised that uh, you know it. He he truly made it better, and not he didn't just basically say, okay, you know this is I'm gonna ride off to the sunset. It's the last thing I do. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna make sure they remember me, and, and I'm gonna make this place you know impossible. And so he didn't. He didn't uh, let uh, let the quote unquote the long ball of today's times uh, really you know affect how he you know adjusted the golf course. He truly just made it better. All all the places that were kind of iffy, um, you know, whether it's green complexes or tee balls or you know whatever it may be, he he made it just better, plain and simple. TG, it's Sam here, and uh, I was just wondering what you've been doing well lately because I've been looking at leaderboards, and it seems like you're finishing top 20 uh, pretty often. I know uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it was a uh, 14th place finish or something like that, and then you finished 18th this week. Uh, what What's good in the game in TG's world right now? Man, the the ball striking has been solid lately. Um, I've, I've been really close to having some really good weeks. Um, the, the putter hasn't been really hot, and that's kind of always the, you know, the the make or break as far as getting in contention or not. Um, but the, the ball striking has been pretty good, and my, my iron play, my my mid range game has been uh, it's been really solid. So it's it's made uh, made for a fun fun stretch of tournaments here recently. Yeah, and before we uh, before we ask you kind of about what the main topic was this week, TG, when's uh, when's the baby coming? Uh, in about four and a half weeks, July eighth. How excited are you? Nervous? Uh, not yet. Not yet. I'm sure as it comes, uh, you know, the time approaches a little bit closer. Uh, I'll, I'll start to get some of those jitters, but uh, not not nervous as of now. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome, and that's really exciting. Looking forward to that uh, for you and your wife, and I'm sure that'll be an absolute blast. Uh, why don't we just go ahead and, you know, the elephant in the room, the big thing that happened this weekend at the Memorial, John Rahm walks off of number 18 green on Saturday, shoots 64. He's got a six-shot lead uh, about 15 feet off the back of the green. He's informed by some sort of official that he's tested positive for COVID-19. He was in contact tracing uh, from contact that was made earlier in the week. I believe it was on Monday of last week. He then uh, must withdraw from the tournament per the tour pro 
protocols, go into isolation for 10 days, and he'll be able to show up at Torrey the day before the U.S. Open. Uh, you were there. You, I'm sure you've had conversations with the other players about it. What was kind of the vibe of how it was handled, how it all came about? Just kind of what, what, you, what are your thoughts and what was the vibe amongst the other players? Yeah, so first off, uh, it's so unfortunate. Obviously, it's so unfortunate for him because, I mean, there was no doubt that he was going to go and win that tournament, right? Right. And um, the residuals of that, you know, whether it's contract bonuses, being world number one, you know, winning a term against Kapalua, I mean, it, it goes on and on the list. Um, and people kept talking about, you know, the whatever the prize money and in the grand scheme of things for his, you know, where he's at in his career, that's obviously that's a, you know, life changing money. But for him, it's all the other things that comes with it that uh, is the most unfortunate part. Uh, of him missing out on and so um, it's just it just sucks plain and simple um, but I think it's just it's the other unfortunate part in my mind and I, Sunday I played with Tony C now and we were talking about this is uh, obviously it's it's caught you know the, it's big news so of course it's every everything and everywhere in the world is going to be talked about uh, but it's unfortunate over the last year uh, since we've come back to playing golf how it hasn't been talked about uh, how well the tour is done uh, in regards to, you know, the, the protocols they put into place, how few of players have tested positive in the grand scheme of things. Um, but, you know, in this event, of course, with the, the stage that it was on and the player who it is and in the situation it, that it was in, of course, it's going to grab, you know, all the attention. But, you know, one thing, one of the things that Tony and I talked about was uh, the protocols that were put into place, you know, a year ago, almost to the date. Um, you know, I, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I don't, I don't know much. Uh, but I, we both talked about and we both kind of feel that um, we obviously have such a more vast knowledge of, you know, COVID in general now versus a year ago. And, um, you know, we just feel maybe the protocols should be uh, a little bit different now than they were a year ago. Because I think, for the most part, the protocols that are for testing positive for COVID, uh, they're pretty pretty similar. Um, and so, I don't have an answer. Uh, I think it could have been handled maybe in a different way that could have, uh, you know, uh, benefited someone who was uh, absolutely the best player in the world at that moment of time. Um, and instead it was just, it's, you know, so cut and dry, but at the end of the day, that's the, I guess with COVID and that's from my stance of, uh, you know, there's, there's been a lot of, um, decisions that have been made that have been very optics driven. And I think this kind of falls in line with that. Yeah. TG, I was kind of wanting to piggyback off that and ask you, you know, like you said, 15 months ago, uh, these rules were put into place, and that's when the players signed off on, on all these rules. What would you say as a player um, to someone who says, well, the players signed off on these rules, Well, uh, and when like, would you suggest changing it? Because golf season kind of goes all year round, so it's kind of tough to wait until the end of a season. So like, as a player, what would you suggest for the PGA Tour if you were wanting to make some changes to these rules? That's one of the cool things of the tour is, uh, so we have our, our PAC, our uh, player advisory committee. And that's, you know, comprised of, I think it's like eight or 10 players that are voted on by all of us players that, uh, basically, uh, teams with the, with the tour and the board of the tour and the, the decision makers for the PJ tour and, you know, for these types of situations. And so I, I mean, I have no doubt there's, <laughs> you know, unfortunately it's, you know, it's very reactionary because I'm sure they're going to make some adjustments now. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't have an answer. I don't, I don't know what should be done differently. Um, it, it's just whenever you have a situation like this arise that so negatively affects, uh, you know, a, an athlete that's, you know, like I said, it's all the residual. He could have become num world number one, you know, put himself in a position to win the FedEx Cup. I mean, there's just so much stuff that this now could have ruined some chances for him. And um, uh, you, you just got to think that there, there's got to be a way that it could have been handled in a, a little bit of a better way or in a way that may have given him a chance uh, rather than just, you know, cut and dry, just, 
you know, we're done, you're done, and we have to move on. Yeah, you know, Taylor, every, every time we've had you on, we've, we've talked constantly about, you know, the journey and how hard you have to work to get out on the PJ Tour. And obviously with John Rahm leading by six shots um, and him having to withdraw was, um, you know, with everything we're talking about. But he's, although he was up until he withdrew, he was third, number third-ranked player in the world. How do you think this would have been different around the headlines or storylines if, let's say, the 150th-ranked player in the world or someone who was just trying to break through for the first time had a six-shot lead and then was forced to withdraw? How do you think that would have been handled any different? differently yeah i mean because of the protocols put in place it, it would have been handled the exact same I, obviously the reaction from you know everyone uh from everyone else it, it might have been a little bit different um but you know it, and you, you have to even think even further uh than the, the person it affects directly you know that there's people that it affects indirectly his caddy his agent his trainer you know, the, the, the whole team around this person that, uh, you know, because of maybe some, you know, outdated, you know, decisions uh, that, you know, your, your effect, you know, for example, if he goes and wins the tournament, just right off the top, you know, his caddy makes nearly, you know, $200,000 immediately from that. And, you know, for, for anybody, that's a life changer, but especially for someone, you know, that doesn't have, you know, like John Rahm, millions of dollars. And so, um, it, it's, again, it's just, it's so unfortunate. And, you know, hopefully, like I said, it's, it's obviously too late for Rom, but hopefully the, the tour, we can make some adjustments and, um, we can learn from this mistake so that it doesn't happen again. Uh, yeah, TG, and then my last one, and then we can move on from this. But um, I'm just curious, uh, as a player, like, do you think that um, the tour should make everyone get vaccinated? And, like, it, it, my question here is a lot of people on Twitter were saying that, well, John Rahm uh, wasn't forced, uh, you know, to get the vaccine. But I feel like sometimes when the PGA Tour is taking $1.7 out of someone's hands, uh, they kind of do force your hand because then uh, you got some guys in the COVID COVID protocol system and some guys that aren't uh and it, like do you have any thoughts on that as like do you think the pga tour is kind of forcing their hand a little bit to to get vaccinated or do you feel like uh that the system's okay right now uh, i think the system is as good as it can be given you know the what's going on in the world um it's kind of I ironic because uh at the pga championship a few weeks back on sunday i played with rom and uh, we were talking about this, and uh, him and his wife just had uh, their first child just, you know, a couple months back. And uh, somehow COVID got brought up, of course, and we were talking about how he, he said, you know, me and my wife have not been vaccinated. Uh, we're a little bit unsure because, you know, there's these rumors and grumblings of, you know, possible fertility issues, and they want to have more kids. So they said, you know, we're not going to go and do this and blah, blah, blah. And, um and so it's, it's ironic. I mean, he even said at that point in time, there was some talks of like the British open was possibly going to mandate. You have to uh, be vaccinated playing sermon. And he point blank said, I, I'm, I won't play in the British open if that's the case. And so uh, I think it's good that the tour hasn't quote unquote, absolutely handcuffed us the, to an extent. They're kind of forcing uh, you know, forcing our hand a little bit because of this. Um, but like I said from the jump, as for the world and for the circumstances, what we have going on, this is uh, no doubt. I think the best you know case scenario for for what we have in place. Uh, and then I was just going to back off that real quick. Would you, as a player, have been okay with Rom playing the round alone, like in a last group situation? Yeah, for me, I, I would have had no issue with it. Um, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm a vaccinated individual. I've, you know, I, I think there's, I think there could have been a, a way in which to protect everyone involved. Uh, but I, I also understand too, in the last, you know, 12, 15 months, you know, it's a pandemic. And so they're going to take all, you know, every kind of, you know, precautionary structures to make sure that, you know, nobody else is affected. Uh, by a single individual, so so I I, I I get it from all sides. It's an unfortunate situation, but I, I would have been hopeful that there could have been a way that uh, we could have safely given him a chance to to finish.
Gotcha. Great stuff there from uh, Taylor Goose. Let's move on quickly here. I wanted to ask you about the fans. The fans are back. The fans seem to be having a good time. Uh, and there were some interactions with some fans this past week. Some of them had their Thursdays and Fridays cut short because they were hollering Brooksy at Bryson DeChambeau. In this new PIP world that we're living in, Taylor, everybody's, you know, social media's ramped up, and now we've got the, the big feud with Bryson and Brooks. How have you felt the fans have been since returning? Do, do you think the, the heckling that goes along with this feud is a problem that the, that the tour needs to curb or just how, how do you kind of feel about uh, fan behavior and then how it's kind of crept into this Bryson B- Brooks feud? You know, I, uh, I think it's, I think it's awesome. First of all, obviously that we have fans back, but um, it, it has been funny. We've all kind of made players. We've made, you know, note of it. You can tell it's like, uh, it's like the, the kid that's been in timeout for, you know, a week and you get them out and they're like this caged animal and, and they're just ready <laughs> to get out and go. And that's how the fans are, you know, they're excited. They're all, you know, pumped to be back out, you know, living life again. And so uh, they've, they've had a, like a, a ramped up energy and, you know, the, obviously the, the heckling is, has been, you know, probably at an all time high, which, you know, I'm okay with uh, obviously to an extent, um, whenever it starts to impede the actual uh, performance or play, uh, that's when it becomes an issue. But I don't think it has gone to that point yet. Um, that's just something that the, I think the tour needs to be sure that, all right, if we're in the backswing yelling Brooksy or if we're, you know, as they're about to approach a shot, if, you know, if there's the heckling coming uh, in the form of, like, hindering performance, then, okay, we need to be sure to, you know, not – allow that but as long as it's not like you know in the middle of a shot or something i i mean i i think it's okay it's just part it's it's part of part of the game part of competition and you know in other sports when uh you know when i see guys like Kyrie irving and all these other people that talk about you know they they feel that they are uh you know just purely entertainment and you know they're not being viewed as you know humans or individuals or whatever it's it's you know, I see that and I'm like, dude, we're like, this is, this is not a need for humanity. We're not providing a service that's like, you know, helping, you know, solve, you know, world hunger or something like that. What, what we're doing, it, it really is entertainment. And, uh, and with that, I, th- I think, you know, the people that the reason we're doing this is for the fans and, and they need to have some, uh, some freedom to, to do what they want to an extent. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Taylor, in all honesty. And, you know, since we were talking about the fans and the reason I got kicked out was because people were yelling Brooksy at Bryson, where, where where do you stand on that whole deal? And where does maybe some – what's the inside the ropes perspective on, you know, something that a lot of people have only been able to look at from the outside? Because to all of us, it looks like uh, Bryson and Brooks could, uh, you know, be uh, Floyd Mayweather and uh, Paul or whatever his name was that fought last night. You know, I think people <laughs> would pay to watch that. So what uh, what's that been like since all those altercations have started? Yeah, you know, it's obviously it's very uh, it's very centrally located just with them, so it's not uh, really getting into anybody else's kind of week. Um, so, I mean, it's not affecting me, so I'm I'm totally good with it. Uh, I obviously can't speak for for Bryson, um, but at the end of the day, you just got to understand if if you're willing to give it and they've been kind of giving it to each other. If you're willing to give it, you got to be able to take it. So that's kind of just my, my thoughts on it. Uh, you know, I'm not in their, in their shoes, but um, I think it's overall for the game. I think it's great. I, I, at the end of the day, I think it, it's a gentleman's sport, but uh, it, it's also competition. And so uh, I think the game in a, in a progressive way uh, can, can handle some of this, uh, some of this trash talk, just plain simple. Hey, TG, and we haven't had you on here in a while, and, uh, you know, uh, since you've been on, your boys uh, LeBron and Dame got bounced in the first round. Thoughts? Uh, I am excited, <laughs> first of all, for the, uh, the, the post-LeBron playoffs, because we, we haven't we don't know what that's like. It's been like over a decade, it feels like. That's a good point. Uh, so uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited. To, I mean, I'm pumped for the playoffs here the next few weeks. I think there's going to be some great, great matchups. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, my, my boy Dane, gosh dang it. Uh, <laughs> he played so good, though, TG. I got, I mean, I'm a hater, and he, and he still played. Uh, I yeah. Credit. He, 
he balled. I just I hope he stays in Portland, dude. I hope he doesn't jump ship like everybody else <laughs> over the last ten years have done. We we've all personally been scarred from that, so I, I hope he doesn't do it. Yeah, bro, you got to come pick up your jersey. I mean, that was a brutal bad beat with Denver trying to lose on that last game. <laughs> oh God, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Here we go. All right. So uh, before we let you go, just tell everybody what's coming up. I know you're probably just going to take a couple of weeks off. You played seven weeks in a row, and then how are you managing your schedule around the uh, the birth of your child? What's what's coming up in a few weeks? What what's your schedule looking like? Yeah, I got a couple weeks off, and I'm playing the tournament after the U.S. Open, uh, the Travelers Championship uh, in Connecticut, and then uh, the next two weeks I have blocked off because uh, our big bills do around that time. And so uh, the the only thing that kind of up in the air uh, is I'm I'm around the edge of being in the Open, uh, the British Open, and I um, that's basically a week after she's uh, due. So, you know, we'll kind of uh, navigate that as it comes. I uh, I kind of hope and plan to be playing in a lot of uh, major championships and big-time tournaments, uh, you know, over the next hopefully decade or more. And uh, I don't plan on having a lot more first kids. So, uh, obviously, you know, that's the priority. Uh, but if she decides to come a little bit early and I get into the open, that would be fine too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, good, good luck with all of that. We hope it all works out, and we appreciate you as always joining us. Uh, you're the man. Good luck whenever you get back out there. I appreciate it, fellas. Thanks for having me on. You're the best, TG. Thanks. Appreciate you, bro. Yes, sir. That's our man Taylor Gooch joining us here on the 73rd hole. We always appreciate him taking some time out of his busy, busy schedule. And, guys, he is getting some well-deserved rest. Seven weeks in a row on the PGA Tour. I know everybody just sits at home and watches golf, and it you know it just looks so easy, and they travel around to play golf. But seven weeks in a row on the PGA Tour is a grind. That's Sunday night flights. That's Monday practice rounds, Tuesday pro-ams, Wednesday pro-ams, four more rounds on the course. It's an absolute grind to play seven weeks in a row on the PGA Tour. So I'm sure he'll be glad uh, to kick his feet up for a couple of weeks. I'm sure he'll work on his game, try to get himself ready uh, for the Travelers in hopes of getting himself into the Open Championships. Got the baby coming, got got the Open on the horizon. A lot of good stuff happening for Taylor Gooch, and we appreciate him joining us. Reminder to everyone, we are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check all that out. Just some great, great stuff as uh, summer golf continues to ramp up here in the state of Oklahoma. Big, uh, uh, what is it, the Oklahoma State Junior? Is that what it's still called? The Taylor Moore. T- Taylor yeah. Moore tournament that he's yeah. hosting a kicking bird. Is it, is it called the State Junior? I can't remember what uh, it is. I, I just call it Team Moore's tournament. Let me figure out the official yeah. name. OGA Junior Boys and Girls Championship presented by Taylor Moore. That's a lot okay. more elegant than Team Moore's Speaking tournament. Speaking of Taylor Moore. Elegant. Speaking of Taylor Moore, he had uh, a hell of a week on the Corn Ferry Tour. Do Tied we just, for third. Yeah, I mean, we can just start by showing some love to uh, to Team Moore, and then we can kind of circle back. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's gotten himself up now in the Corn Ferry season-long points race. While, while y'all look – while y'all are looking uh, those uh, rankings up, Willie Wood also finished tied for third on the Champions Tour this Did week. Did he really? I saw he was won $110,000. Wow, that's phenomenal. I saw Stephen Ames won, um, I didn't, and I saw Willie was up there. I didn't see where he ended up finishing. But, that I mean, it goes to show. And we saw he was playing good at Southern Hills when we were up there. So, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean to finish as high as he did was um, not shocking in a sense. But to see hey. how good he was playing, I mean, we could have could saw this coming. I mean, if he hits it well, he's one of the best putters of all time, literally. That's so. what Scott yeah. Barkling says. Says yeah. he is the best putter of all time. Doesn't he still use the putter from, like, forever ago? Or is he Willie, switched? Yeah. He, well, he uses the same type. I, okay, I think he's, gotcha. He switches around sometimes. But, I gotcha. Uh, uh, so Taylor Moore's all the way up to 20th now in the Corn Ferry standings. Max McGreevy still sits there at 16th. Uh, and then Peter Uline from Oklahoma State's there at 29th. So really heating up on the Corn Ferry Tour. And Taylor Moore's had a couple of really good months to get up. He was down in the 50s or 60s a couple of months ago. And now he's inside that top 25. So that's big-time stuff from Taylor Moore. And that's a big tournament that they have at Kicking Bird every year. I actually uh, had lunch with a guy today. Ended up running into Coach Hibble from Oklahoma. Oklahoma, talked to him for a couple of minutes, and he was just down for lunch from Kicking Bird, and then he was headed back out uh, doing some recruiting, taking some look at some guys, and I'm sure that he's not the only coach that's up there. So that's an awesome tournament, and I think that this is the last tournament at Kicking Bird. Yep. The last golf that will be played before I the wonder, redesign. I hope that they do what they did at the Memorial, and they come <laughs> behind the juniors, like the juniors finish on number seven, and they're standing, or on number six, and then while they're standing on number seven tee box, they're ripping up number six and green let, behind And let them. the course just burn up. Oh, yeah, just let it get super hard and fast <laughs> for the juniors on Thursday. I think they should. I mean, like I said, this, for anyone who doesn't know, anyone who wants to go out and watch some really good golf from these young juniors, the, the stroke play portion will be today and tomorrow, and then they'll go, um, each division will go to 
to 16, and then they'll play uh, four rounds of match play until a winner is decided. So, yeah, I think it would be awesome to see, you know, like you said, they're going to already tear up the course. Just do what Murfield did. Let it let it burn up. Play hard. Let them – I mean, Kicking Bird is, isn't a super easy course, but it's definitely gettable. Let, let, make it pretty hard for them. So. Yeah, and, you know, uh, we haven't – set our schedule directly yet but i think on thursday we might be out there and we'll maybe get a call from taylor moore if he's out there and so yeah. i think that we'll be doing that later a- this a- week absolutely so. and i was just gonna say i just looked at the weather to see i was like could they let it get hard and fast this week uh tomorrow 88 wednesday 94 thursday 95 sunny i, I think they could let it get hard it. and fast if they wanted to so uh anyway let's circle back to everything that took place at muirfield village this week uh can't let more cobble went into the playoff we'll get into that it's kind of taylor gooch's thoughts there on the john rom situation were very interesting. You know, the tour obviously uh, has done phenomenally well dealing with COVID over the past 15 months. There have been very little issues. Uh, I think John Rahm's maybe like the fourth player to test positive and have to withdraw from a positive test, not from contact tracing, which there was a lot more of going on last summer. Uh, so, you know, the tour has handled it phenomenally well. And then this Saturday at Muirfield Village, it all kind of came to a head with John Rahm having that six-shot lead. He was in contact tracing throughout the week. So, you know, this was a huge shock to all of us. Whereas to John Rahm, it was a huge disappointment, but not necessarily a huge shock. Uh, so I was watching it live. I, you know, when he dropped to his knees, I assumed the worst. I, I thought he had gotten news that somebody had passed away. So then they come back and say he tested positive for COVID. And, you, you know, that's uh, pretty much the, the death of his week at Muirfield uh, Village, where he had a six shot lead. He was set to win $1.675 million, uh, probably jump up to number two in the world rankings. I don't know, but he's not very far behind Justin Thomas sitting there at number three. It would have jumped in from 15 to about sixth or seventh in the FedEx Cup points race. Uh, so just first thoughts that, that you've got about what happened on Saturday with John Rahm. Yeah, I mean, my first thing is like nothing that I'm about to say is a political statement. We don't talk politics on this show. This is just, you know, a common sense statement to me. You know, like I asked TG about these rules, first of all, were put into place 15 months ago. So I feel like um, that a lot of things have changed with COVID since then. And so um, when I tweeted that I feel like it's a black eye on the PGA Tour, it's because I feel like um, we're at a point like now, when is this going to end? Because like it, it, you can't force guys to get vaccinated. And if you're taking a million and a half dollars out of their hands at a certain tournament because they don't want to get vaccinated and it's not FDA approved, you know, um, they haven't done the testing yet on infertility. I don't understand why you can't let a guy play. It's outside. It's not like you're in an arena. It's not like the fans are super close. Um, I feel like there's other ways to get around this if a guy wants to play, and I feel like the onus should be on the player, um, and if he wants to, um, then he should be able to, and he should be able to, I don't know, sign some waiver that says that it, the PGA is not PGA Tour is not liable, and I feel like that would be a better way of getting back um, to letting everyone play because it's not like we're going to go the rest of forever, you know, not letting a guy who has COVID play because that's the whole point of a vaccination. And if you don't want to get vaccinated, then, you know. Yeah, I, I think, you know, just go, to, to go off of that, I think that TG said it best. I mean, I think that if we could just have maybe a revision of the protocols because, I mean, we we're, like I said, 15 months down the line, I mean, with something as, as you know, as strong as a global pandemic was to – 15 months we have a lot more information than we than we did so and we have the main reason that we had the lockdown was because hospitals were overcapacitated so now that that's not the case and we know how to treat it I feel like it's different and I mean guys I mean correct me if I'm wrong but don't we take the same risk when we go out to go to the grocery store to go anywhere is that we take the chance of getting sick so it's like for me it's like this may be the completely wrong way to look at it, but if you want to not get sick, have the players who are if if Cantlay or whoever's playing wants to not play and not get sick, then have him withdraw. That's the way I see it. If if it's about the safety of the players, let the other players have the option to withdraw. I don't. I think it's wrong to force someone. And obviously, it wasn't hindering his game. He was winning by six shots. He was eighteen under par on one of the hardest mm-hmm. courses in the world. So. I mean, like I said, you, you said it perfectly, Sam. This, this whole thing got turned into politics because of everything, and it's we're just talking about golf and the safety and how people should be played and how you're taking – not only are you taking the money out of his pocket, but you're taking so many things away from the caddies, the agents, like TG mentioned. The and, residuals. And, and, you know, the biggest thing that, in my opinion – 
maybe not the biggest thing, but one of them is the FedEx points. I mean, he would have been from 15th up to 6th. And when those things reset after the um, the 125 is, is marked, I mean, that's such a big advantage to be up there if he's in the top 5 as opposed to 15th where he is now because he hasn't won yet this this year. So, so many things went against him. And I just and think Ka- of... Kapalua, too, like, PG, like TG mentioned. Absolutely. And, you know, like I said, this isn't... And the Memorial, you get a three-year exemption through the tour, so this isn't something that Rom needed, but yet it's still something that's nice to have and to take it away. And I may just be frustrated because it allowed Cantlay to win, who most people had in our big one-and-done pool, but it really has nothing to do with that. That's just a side note, just from the fact of... I mean, were, were we watching the golf yesterday at one point, and did we think that Cantlay and Morikawa deserved to win? I, I was just watching the whole time, and I was like... Like no. it's entertaining, but this this is not the winner of the tournament. It felt weird. It felt really weird watching it yesterday. I felt like coming in the uh, the the tour was on Saturday. It was the worst case scenario for the tour, right? Like worst case scenario is that one of the biggest names in the game of golf has an un like an insurmountable lead through three rounds, and you have to pull him off and tell him that he's forced to withdraw. I I think moving forward, I think the protocols do need to be looked at and and see what we can do to keep guys on the course if they're asymptomatic, even if that means that they have to carry their own bag, that they have to play with a mask on. I mean, John Rahm would have rather done that than been forced to withdraw. I did feel like on Saturday, because the protocols are in place, it's like... I really felt like the tour was in a lose-lose situation Saturday because the tour, the protocols are in place. All they can do is follow the protocols. He was in contact tracing all week. Like, he knew what could happen. And I, I think that I'm both... I, I think I'm on the side of both. This sucks so bad, and I feel so bad for John Rahm. But I'm also on the side of... I don't really know in this particular instance what the tour could have done differently. I think now that it's happened, I think that they can look at their protocols and say, okay, what could we tweak here? What could we tweak there to make this better moving forward? But my, my gut reaction wasn't, you, you know, they totally screwed this up. My gut reaction was, oh, this is a huge eye opener that this is something we're still dealing with because I also think that this is just something they thought that they weren't going to have to worry about anymore. And I think it really snuck up on them with this huge thing all, all blowing up on Saturday afternoon. Where I think the PGA Tour did screw up was they didn't reevaluate these uh, before, rules before. Once, before it blew up. Well, yeah, and once yeah. we've gotten the vaccine and a lot of people have had the opportunity to get it, I feel like they should have already put something into place before this happened. But obviously they were just following the protocols that they had. One thing that I don't really understand, um, and maybe this was from back when they were trying to be extra safe, you know, they they were notified that it was positive when he was playing number 12. Well, if, But if, then they tested it again. And they retested yeah, it. But yeah. my point is, if, if COVID, you know, if they think that it is that big of a deal where it's going to be very dangerous for other players – don't you think that wouldn't they have just stopped Rom's round, pulled him off the course, and pulled him off, and waited for that second positive, and then let him continue agree. if it was that dangerous? Well, I so on the first positive, I don't think they would have just in case it was a false positive. But once they ran the second one, and the second one came back, I think they got the second one back whenever he was on like number seventeen. But I still agree, like if you're going to pull him off the course after fifty-four holes, why not pull him off the course after fifty-three holes if you think that's what needs to be done? If that if that is in fact the protocol. Well. My point is, like, they're following the protocol that was in place. Right. I'm not saying that they they didn't do that. I'm saying, you know, the protocol is kind of weird where, like, if you're that scared or whatever, whatever term you want to use of COVID and you think it's super dangerous, if you know that there's a chance that he's positive out there, then why, are, why is he continuing to play, talk to players, caddies being in the crowd if he hits it in the crowd? And that brings me to my point of – we're having socially distanced interviews and guys coming up in mass, but the PGA tour is taking all the residuals off the full crowds right now. And he hadn't so, met the social distancing requirements. He was six shots clear of the field. So yeah, I yeah, believe that's exactly no, but what I'm saying is it's kind of a uh, hypocrisy a little bit to me that you're having full crowds, but then stuff like this is happening. And that's why I feel like the PGA tour should have been more preemptive once we started getting a vaccine. And that's why I was tweeting that I thought it was a black eye on the PGA tour. I'm not saying that they did anything wrong necessarily that they, that they screwed over John Rom. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that they should have had something in place before now. So something like this didn't happen. And then I think that when I, when I brought up to TG about when is this going to end, well, I felt like this would have been a perfect time to just reevaluate right now because we're not – why wait until the end of the golf season? The golf season's super long, 
And so and I it felt almost like never it, ends. It's like, you know, yeah. it just rolls into the next one. Well, and I was, yeah, you know, and so I was just saying, like, why couldn't we have used common sense and let him play the last round by himself, carrying a bag with a mask on, whatever you want to do? No fans following John Rom or something like that. And, and let the guy finish the tournament if he wants to play. So, like, and, and clearly he wasn't harming his body. He was asymptomatic. Yeah, and, you know, to go to to iterate to your point, Sam, I mean, we saw it when this all happened in Oklahoma City right before Utah Jazz and OKC tipped off what happened. The trainers running down on the court to make yeah. sure no one plays. But that was so understandable was, because we had no clue what was going on. But, but, that, but that's yeah. if, if, if they're still going to have the same protocols, they should do the same thing with Rom. Like, there's yeah. no coincidence that you get both your tests back Agreed. right when he finishes on 18 green. Like, the timing of that is just unsurmountable to me almost. I'm, almost in the sense of, like, it's crazy how it happened right before the tip-off of that game. And, you know, just to the PJ Tour's credit, I mean, like you said, Sam, I mean, you, you, in hindsight, we have to change the rules, but what could they do? They couldn't come out and say that Rom tested positive and then let him continue to play. I mean, as much as we would have loved it to happen, the media would have killed the PGA Tour, and we know that that's well, not that, a good... That's why I say it was a lose-lose. I yeah, mean, yeah. no, no and, matter what, like, somebody's fixing to be mad. And, and, and here's the problem that we move forward with, guys. TG mentioned it. British Open's considering you may have to be vaccinated to play the oh, tournament. Yeah. We got European Tour, PGA Tour. Where we got McK- That's the reason we're not going to RBC Canada this week. Is yeah. We got different affiliates dealing with all these different rules. So, and different and, countries. And different different co- governments. Different governments. And I feel like this is this John Rahm situation is going to be a good thing in the going forward for uh, the Players Association. You know, because like I've asked TG, y'all signed off on it 15 months ago, so it's not necessarily, you guys might have changed your mind about some stuff. Yeah, I mean, just think about everything about coming up. USGA is holding their own tournament. I mean, that mm-hmm. we got uh, RNA is holding their tournament. The PGA is hosting the, the uh, Ryder Cup with USA and Europeans. I mean, the, just to get every single person on the same page, it's going to be tough, but I mean, at the end of the day, it, this has like like I'm, I asked the question to TG. This would have been a lot bigger deal, in my opinion, if and I didn't want to ask this straight to him, but let's just say it was TG, for example, 68th ranked player in the world, looking for his breakout win, having the best week of his life, was went out and had a six shot lead, and then they forced him to withdraw. I mean, how big of a deal would that have been? It would have been through the roof because at least at least with John Rom, we can say, oh well, you know, like this super sucks for John Rom, but it's not going to define his career. You know, I'm sure he'll reach world number one again at some point. He's already been there. He's won tournaments, he's got a bunch of money, he's going to keep winning, and, you know, still it's still, young too. It, it still sucks, but it's not going to define his career. Somebody who's trying to cut their teeth on the PGA Tour, if, if they're put in a similar position, it could define their career. And I, I understand the aspect of, you know, he knew the rules, he knew, you know, he decided that the risk of getting the vaccine outweighed the risk of not getting it and getting pulled off the course, but it still, it still doesn't lessen the blow of, and again, it's like Taylor said, all the residuals, you know, everything. Kapalua, the FedEx yeah. Cup, the Caddy. I hadn't even thought about the Caddy. Yeah. I mean, 165K for the Caddy? I think the Caddy would like that 165K yeah. in his pocket. And who knows? Maybe John Rahm paid him anyway just, and, just to be a good dude. And, but, my, uh, my, yeah, my, just, my, the whole thing's a mess. The one thing I never found out, and, and you guys may have some answers, what, how far back did they did they test uh, Cantlay again? Did they test everyone that played with John Rahm the last week? I mean, how far back did they go back to tracing this if they found well, out that he had the... the so my understanding, my understanding is that... Those that he was around, if they were unvaccinated, would now have to go into the contact tracing protocols. Because if you are vaccinated, then even if you're in contact with someone who's COVID positive, you don't have to go through the protocols. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Cantlay and Morikawa are vaccinated, so I don't know if they'll have to enter any kind of protocols. I have another question that I don't know the answer to. I tried to look it up, of, but I couldn't A lot of those find. going around today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... John Rom is. Does he have to be in complete isolation, or is he allowed to go practice on his own? He's not, and I think he's supposed to stay away from people because they mentioned know, he wasn't going like, to be able to see his family. Can, can he go, go hit balls? Can he go hit balls? I would think so. If, if he walks up to a course and they tell him no, good for them. I I'm, guess. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know who would stop him. What, is the government going to, or is the yeah, PJ Tour going to stand outside his door? With I don't know how you RPG. That. I mean, I don't know. I mean, even if I don't know what his home course is, he lives in the Arizona area, I think, Scottsdale area. Probably Whisperock. Yeah, Whisperock, maybe. I mean, if he goes out there. I mean, I'm sure that those people would accommodate John Rahm and rope off a 20 foot section of the driving range and let John Rahm go out and practice. I mean, I, yeah. I, and, I, and surely none of the members would throw a fit or anything about that. Surely he'll have a way to practice for the U.S. Open, assuming he stays asymptomatic. Um, he's, I don't think either one of y'all have had it. I've had it. 
I was asymptomatic for a few days and then it knocked me on my ass for about right. nearly a week. Right. Um, so, you know, it kind of affects everybody different, but I would imagine he will have a way to practice for the U S open. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still picking him unless something changes. So I, he literally all year long, I've had John Rom, Bryson Shambo penciled in for the U.S. Open, and now we're going to the U.S. Open with John Rom coming off ten days isolation, showing up to the course a day before, and we've got Bryson Shambo worrying about hecklers calling him Brooksy on the tee box, <laughs> and it's like my whole master strategy, like wrenches getting thrown the into the Open? tire two weeks before. What did US I say? Masters. Did I say Masters? You okay, did. U.S. Open. U.S. Open. Uh, it would be a good Masters strategy at some point. But, I mean, you know, guys, I mean, we, we can move off of this if you want to. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just frustrated at, at the whole thing just because, uh, like Colby mentioned, with the residuals and with everything that's going on. And I just really want – I want something to be – I want. I don't want this to happen again. Let's put it that way. Agreed. I, I, that, that's yeah. all I get. That, that's the last thing I'll say. And about then it. you know, I was really impressed with Cantlay's mindset that he said after the round. He said, um, you know, I couldn't control any of it, so I just had to go out and play my game. You know, but one thing that I do wish uh, that Cantlay would have done, uh, I just think it would have been a good PR move, um, was to you know give the difference between second and first at least to John Rom or, or his caddy or something, Charity uh, and even. give John Rom the trophy. I mean, it was a six shot lead, and they. John Rahm, all he had to do on the last day was shoot four over. I mean, let me, let me get some odds on that. I like yeah. his chances. Yeah, Data Golf had him before he withdrew or before he's forced to withdraw. Eighty nine point four percent chance to win. I think that's even that's low, low low ball. Well, it. And, and that's and, low balling it because of you know the guys didn't go low on Sunday anyways. I, I and, say, and it also had to do with the fact that Cantlay and Morikawa are both top ten in the world players. Right. You know who were who were chasing him. And you know, guys, we look. Rom was averaging like five point two six or something strokes tee to green before in the three rounds before he had to withdraw. Wow. I, mean, I mean, he was were, just. Were y'all domin- watching his round on Saturday? He was just dominating. Was, I mean, I tweeted out from the seventy third hole account after he birdied seventeen. John Wom- John Rom walking to the eighteen tee. It was like the guy that's on fire walking. I mean, he was <laughs> unconscious. He he went to a place Saturday afternoon at Muirfield Village. There's only a handful of players in the world who can go to that place. Even regular tour pros aren't familiar with the place that John Rom went the to. Flu game Saturday afternoon. It was, and I still the funniest tweet that I saw all weekend. Somebody tweeted out after uh, John Rahm was forced to withdraw. Somebody tweeted out and said, "Wow, huge swing there on 18 green." Patrick Cantlay makes birdie. John Rahm gets COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously, it was the funniest tweet I saw. That's all horrible. It gave me a chuckle in the midst it, and of then, uh, everything How about them else. showing all the stats of oh comeback victories? This like like all these comeback victory stats. Like yeah, John, Can- like uh, Cantlay came back from six shots. Cantlay down. was seven down through 53 holes, and. Uh, him and his partner both made uh, no. He birdied eighteen. His partner made par, and then he was tied for the lead. Well, we that? need we do need to talk about you know Sunday a little bit. Well, so just just to close things out on John Rom, it was it was an absolute backbreaker for him. Uh, so much so, in fact, that he might have to go see our friends at the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. He needs to go see Doctor Beecham and Doctor Brawley. They're both avid golfers. Maybe wait a couple weeks. High quality, individualized patient care. Total complete spine care. Doctor Beecham does non invasive. The Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before. For surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management and he is double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley received the honor of being listed one of the top 20 spine surgeons in all of North America under the age of 40. Cannot speak highly enough about the folks at the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. Visit them at thespinecliniclok.com, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. There was a, uh, a a golf tournament played on Sunday. It did not end when John Rahm was forced to withdraw on Saturday. Uh, it it was really interesting golf. Like we said earlier, it felt weird watching guys who should be battling for second battle for first. But Patrick Cantlay and Colin Morikawa, Scheffler faded down the stretch. 17th hole was electric. You've got the rain, Morikawa chips, and then we pause, and then Cantlay makes the 30-footer, and then Morikawa makes the 15-footer. It was... I mean, from 17 on, was pretty electric between Cantlay and Morikawa. Well, I mean, I mean, it, it, it like the best thing about the withdrawal was that it made it actually an interesting tournament. I mean, yeah. it, it truly was a great. Uh, had Rom not played this tournament, it would have been great. I mean, we had two of the best players in the world. One of the uh, most uh, up and comers, Scotty Scheffler, were all chasing the title, and it was essentially a three horse race for the whole day. Brendan Grace never really seemed to have a chance, in my opinion. Reed Reed made some late birdies actually, and then ended up making a bogey on 17, but. 
I mean, you, you look at it, guys, and Morikawa had his putter rolling. 1.34 strokes gained on the week putting for, for the – is he claw or saw? I don't know. Uh, he's the saw, saw, which is more fingers kind of down the shaft. So you claw users can't claim his good putting week then. Yeah, it's it's a it's little like bit different. It's like the sister. Even Sam and I use slightly different variations of the claw. There's so many. Yeah. So, so many. Yeah, but I, I, don't, I, I, I claim him. I claim him. I don't know the line between the saw and the claw. I, I have not reached the point of yipness yet to, have, to it, understand that. I probably have, and I just haven't – Come, come full circle. It but. was also like physically a new putter. You know, he, he put a new putter in the week before concession, and he won. And then he went back to a blade this week, and he finished sixth in strokes gained putting. Maybe he should just use a new putter every week and hope he has the honeymoon effect. One thing that was not mentioned because of the whole COVID thing, Rom switched putters this week. He did. He had a goofy-looking putter, I thought, but boy, he was making everything. Yeah, it was a big old yeah. – it was like a – not really – not your traditional like spider mallet, but it was a big old thick thing. It looked and like I, one of the old White Hots is what it looked like. Ex- that was exactly what it looked like. Yeah, one of the classic – like, look, it belonged from 2005, which is <laughs> – <laughs> in my opinion, when some of the best golf clubs were made, but and you know, look at Rom. He was one point eight eight on putting before um, before he was forced to withdraw and gain strokes everywhere. Three point oh five approach to green, um, one point three seven off the tee, even point seven around the green. So I mean. Rom literally had every aspect of his game going, and also shout him out, guys. He made a hole in one on was it? I know sixteen. It was, in, it, was, it was in the morning, but was it yes. the second or third round? It was his second round. It was number sixteen of his second round, which was played Saturday morning. Yeah. What uh, you've got to pull up there? Where was Morikawa at for the week in strokes gained approach? Because that's always one point six nine. Nice. Nice. Uh, Cantlay was uh, one point five two. Where Cantlay gained a lot more over Morikawa. Cantlay was one point one three around the green, which is one of the highest. It's really hard to see anyone above one on that category because the only way you really do is if you hold out chips and um, or hit it to a foot every time. And uh, Morikawa was .5. Did anyone see the shot Morikawa hit yesterday when he looked like us and just went straight underneath the ball? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And yeah. then he turned around and like bit his golf club? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that Dude, was awesome. I mean, well, my takeaway from yesterday with Cantlay and Morikawa is, I mean, these guys are clutch and I'm really excited to see Cantlay in the Ryder Cup because his clutch putting down the street Stretch was insane yesterday. The put on 18 just R- stopped Ryder breaking. Ryder Cup pairing? Morikawa can't lay? I don't mind it. I can dig it. I, I don't. I might pick can't lay at, uh, at Torrey. He's a California guy. He, he played you really know, well in the California stretch earlier. And, you know, um, Colin Morikawa, I mean, how about the bunker shot he hit on 18 to, you know, Dirty. force it into oh, a playoff? And then, disgusting obviously, obviously that chip uh, in, on the playoff hole ran out a little bit too far. But, like... I mean, what a 12-footer by Cantlay. Just yeah. rolled it right in the heart. Oh, it never after, looked like it was going to miss. After yeah. he kind of caught that bunker shot a little fat. T-Dub, I want to ask you a question about 18 at the Memorial Absolutely. at Muirfield Village since you're the golf course guy. So <laughs> how did you feel about Cantlay just blowing it right twice and not really getting penalized for it that much. Do you think they should add some trees over there? It's an interesting question because, you know, the holes design now, in particular, they, they've um, and I think they even did this before last year's redesign. They brought the creek in on on the left. They did. Can't more, miss left. More, more in the left. So you can't miss left. Can't and, miss left anywhere on a Jack Nicholas course. No, right. no, you can't. No, he, he loves the fade. And nevertheless, you can't even miss a little right because you saw it more. Coward did. You hit it in the bunkers or you hit that stupid tree that's there. But but <laughs> smart but you, tree, I think. But but you can hit it a hundred yards right. Kind of. And also one thing that hitting it way right does it gives you a better angle into the green because especially you're not, with the back left pin. Yes. But, and, and how about Dotty? <laughs> how about Dotty Pepper? She actually. Had a great call on the mud ball. The one time that yeah. she's right. Yeah, she had a great call on the mud ball, and you know, Morikawa's ball had like negative one yard of rollout, you know, yeah. and had the mud on the front of the ball. And Dottie was like, "Yeah, you know, it might come out of the air a little more than you would think uh, with that mud on the front of the ball." And she was exactly right. Yeah, I mean, whenever you're hitting, especially mud on the... For anyone who doesn't know, wherever the mud is, the ball should essentially move the opposite direction of where it is. And so when the buds, mud, bud, when the mud is either on the front or the back of the ball, it's really hard to dictate because all it's going to do is either... At the, at the front, it's going to mess a spin up, or the back, you're not going to be able to make solid contact. It's either going to balloon or it's going to knuckleball straight down toward the earth. And, and you're hitting, and that shot's more uphill than people want to give it credit for. Um, one hole I want to ask about, because you brought up 18, Sam... Didn't you all see how they got some of the guys were playing number three? 
number three, I'll be real honest with you. I watched mostly back nine stuff on the weekend just because I was out doing things. So, okay, so, so break number three down. So number me. three, it's kind of, it's a, it's a dog leg left par four. It's about 380. And there's a creek that's, uh, basically you have to hit a 260 yard shot if you want to hit the fairway. And some guys were taking driver way left, left of the creek, up onto the hill with rough to hit to a green that was actually from a better angle than it would have been from the fairway. And um, they, they brought up because Brendan Grace and Spieth both did it, and they both made birdies. Um, kind of not really the best birdies. I think one of them chipped in to make birdie, but nevertheless, <laughs> they did it, and I didn't know if any of y'all saw that. But it goes to your point, Sam, that, you know, it's – People talk about integrity of the hole all the time and all this stupid stuff. That's why you'll see some courses do in-course out-of-bounds, <laughs> which is my least favorite thing in, in the whole world, in all honesty. But and, and you just got to play the hole how it's there. And I, I, I do think there should be a somewhat stiffer penalty for missing right, in all honesty, if they – and you can't really do this now. Yeah. I guess you could. The rough if you're was super thick. The, the rough was yeah. thick. Nothing like the 1955. He caught a great lie the first – First time. It, well, it, the first time he hit it so far right that spectators had trampled yeah. it all down. The second time, the rough was juicier. Yeah. Anytime who wants to see what rough looks like, go to our Instagram page. I posted a picture of, uh, of, <laughs> of the Hogan. 1955 U, uh, U.S. Open at Olympic Club yes. in comparison, and it was up to above his knees. So to show you on the rough aspect, but uh, you got something there, Shane? Yeah, no, I was just going to mention before we get off uh, the memorial, you know, seventh multiple-time winner of this event. Uh, that's kind of a lot for one event, multiple-time winners. I think that that kind of goes back to the fact that Jack has designed such an excellent golf course that guys who've learned how to play it can keep coming back, and they know how to play it. And Morikawa, yes. you know, it, it was kind of a weird deal because Morikawa won the Workday, yep. you know, and then Cantlay's won there before. And By the way, Workday will be the new sponsor next year. Really? Yeah, okay. they're, they're taking over. So, And then uh, even though Cantlay's been on a little bit of a, a slump before this week, you know, he's still number one in the FedEx Cup after this By week. By a lot now. Because yeah. he was great. People forget he was great earlier in the season. He's had like two down months, and that's even what I said when I put him in my DraftKings lineup lately. I was like, he's really been off form, but God, he loves himself some Muirfield Village. And then, boys, we saw two 73rd holes. Yesterday we, we did. did. How about that? Let's take a break. Yeah. Come back and we'll no. talk about the other one. Taylor, the the, the only here. thing I'll bring up your point on eighteen, Sam, just to close it out. I think if they shifted the green to where the bunkers, if you're coming from the right side, were more into play as opposed to where if you're in the middle of the fairway, I think that would be a good change for the hole if yeah. you were looking at a way to, to make it any difference. So, yeah, the uh, the like changes it. were overwhelmingly positively received by yep. the players. Everything I've seen, what Taylor Gooch told us, just a great golf course, uh, and how quickly they were able to turn that around and get it ready to go was unbelievable. So we're going to take a break, come back on the other side. We'll talk about the U.S. Women's Open, went to a 73rd hole and a 74th and a 75th. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll talk about that. A lot more to get into. A little more about the Brooks Bryson fiasco as well. A lot more coming up. Stay with us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on a Monday. Having a good time here on the 73rd hole. It was a great, great golf weekend. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. That is our partner, Golf Oklahoma. We are thrilled to be doing some great things with them covering golf here in the state of Oklahoma. Gentlemen, there was a great tournament that took place this past weekend. 
an Olympic club, the Olympic Villa, Olympic club, Olympic village, Olympic club in uh, San Francisco. Unbelievable golf course. Uh, it was crazy watching them all week with the beanies and the hoodies. I went out to San Francisco in 2019 in June. Couldn't believe how cold it was. It was, it was unreal. Uh, and Lexi Thompson, huge lead, comes to the back nine, gives it all away. It was really heartbreaking to watch the way that all played out for her. But it put uh, Sasso and NASA in an unbelievable spot for the new two-hole aggregate playoff. They end up both making pars and having to go to uh, a third hole. And then Sasso from the rough throws one in there to about 12 feet. And it probably had a good foot of break on it when you saw it. And she rolled it right in the middle. It was such a great tournament at such a great golf course. And now 19-year-old Yuka Sasso with her first uh, major championship victory truly one of the best swings in the entire game of golf i thought it was a great great weekend for the lpga tour in the u.s women's open yes sasso gets that five-year exemption on the lpga tour as well that was a cool video that i saw of them telling her that but she she was not a member of the lpga tour coming into the week and and so uh since we're the official podcast of golf oklahoma we got to start off with maya stark give a big shout out to her she she only lost to uh mega gagne for the low am uh by one shot because mega gagne ended up shooting uh, 77, I think it was, in it the was. final round. Yep. And and so she finished at three over, and Maya Stark finished at four over. So really good playing by those two girls. Um, you know, with uh, first, Sasso hit some amazing shots out of the rough, not just the one uh, that won her the tournament, but, you know, that rough was pretty thick for especially women's golf, and she was just – judging it absolutely perfect and, coming and she out was of able rough. to get some spin because she was coming down so steeply i was watching it with with dana my wife yesterday afternoon in the playoff and she came down on that ball in the third playoff hole in the rough and she came down mm-hmm. so steep and when that ball landed i thought it was going to run out and it just checked and spun right under the hole and i'm like gosh she got so much golf ball how on about that. how about when she gunned it by like what was it like 10 feet yeah <laughs> on the and second playoff hole i don't yeah, know if it was that but six eight yeah, feet probably it was the yeah. second playoff hole and she gunned it by like eight feet yeah on the second playoff hole and and she just rolled it right in the heart like she didn't care at all like that was really impressive to me it, it was like you always think that they're gonna kind of have like the tom watson you know kind of guided up there after gunning it that far <laughs> by uh you know but lexi thompson i mean we have to talk about that you know 41 on the back that that's her 15th U.S. Open. She played her first one when she was 12 years old. Obviously, you know, one of the U.S. Women's Opens, uh, you know, she had the whole four-shot penalty, you know, that all that stuff. Yeah. Um, she, so she's 26. This was her 50th major championship she's played in. Unbelievable. And, you know, it's kind of one of those that has eluded her. You know, she's 0 for 15 now in the U.S. Women's Open, uh, even though she's been a top player for however long, long since time, she's yeah. – 15 years old uh so you know what i saw from lexi and i tweeted it out last night on our on our podcast i'm uh, on the 73rd hole podcast on twitter you know i noticed that you feel uh nerves and pressure in your hands first uh and i she just totally lost it on around the greens and on the greens um and i i just i wouldn't say it was necessarily a choke i would say more you know you could just see the pressure making her timid uh, throughout that whole back nine, and it just kind of escalated and escalated, and she ends up missing out on a playoff by one shot. Oh, I mean, I, I'm not scared to call it a choke. I mean, I think it was the definition of it. I mean, I think I mean it's it's tough to use that term because you know, like Woody says, you're always there. But the the way her chipping action changed on the back nine is, uh, I think, what's so clear, and you could tell that she was so nervous about those shots. And she was trying to guide it and, big time. Yeah, and you know, um, you know, just to get off the Lexi hate train. I mean, she did have a, a par putt on 18. Uh, to get into the playoff, ten footer straight downhill, and she left it eighteen inches short, right yeah. in the heart. So good, good for her there. Um, but uh, you know, for for Yuka Sasso, I'll, I'll say a couple things. One is that Sam made the point about her making the putt in the playoff on the second hole. Well, her very next putt on the third playoff hole is a, about a eighteen inch breaker, and she cashes it yeah. right in the heart I mean, it was to so win. Pure. To win, she knew she had to make it to win. And at nineteen years old, at nineteen years old, and also, guys, the first uh, Filipino to win any golf major. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. So, that's awesome. really impressive. And, she was crying talking about her family they asked her about that and, and it was a really awesome scene yeah, and we had patty tavitanikit from uh, thailand earlier in the year and, yep. and you know the couple things i'll say is that one thing is that sasso came out and said that she was wanting she watched a lot of videos of rory's swing to try to emulate him 
I think Roy, good job. I think Roy needs to watch her swing, especially on some damn wedges. Learn to smooth it down a little bit, man. I mean, I think I'd switch it around. And also, the last thing I'll say on this tournament, we were talking about Maya Stark earlier. She finished T16. Everyone else who finished T16 with her got $84,000. I'm really glad she wasn't able to get that so she could maintain her amateur status. It Amateurism really, it, is the key. I Tyler. mean, it really is. It's so important. So I'm really glad that she could not have the five-figure, almost six-figure money to keep that amateur status. Because, so, I mean, because it's we're, so we're, important. Important. We protected the integrity of collegiate golf this week God, by give, making sure that Mega Gane and uh, and Maya Stark couldn't receive their checks. Give me a break. Yeah, God. we God. protected <laughs> the integrity. So, uh, but how about Olympic Club? I mean, just an unbelievable golf course. One of the best golf courses in the world. What, yep. what he said, he'd put it up there as up there with one of his maybe the best golf course he ever played. And we know he's played a lot of golf courses. He played. Or he teaches that at one of the best ones in the world. So I mean, yep. for it for him to claim that it's maybe the best one he's ever played goes to show. And I think the only reason that maybe me and Colby don't like it as much is because we saw how bad Tiger played on Saturday <laughs> there in 2012. But other than that, I love Olympic, and it's also infamous for the best pro tracer of all time, which was Jim Furyk snap hook on oh, 17. Was. I thought it was on 16. Was it on 17? It may be 16, 17. Yeah. One, I might not know. They're yeah. both par fives, so. And we had the rare playoff on the ninth hole because the ninth hole is actually right by the clubhouse. Yes. Because they actually, when they tee off the back nine, you know, uh, they actually go off nine when yeah. they go at Olympic Thursday Club. and Friday, they went off one I, and nine. I, I forget all about that. That's why I saw on one of the little deals that said hole eight scoring. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Hole eight. And it's because, it's like you said, I remember that. But um, I, I got to rant for a second, guys. The two-hole playoff is the stupidest damn thing I've ever seen. I hate it. I cannot stand I it. I hate it. And the only reason they're doing it is because the Masters is sudden death, um, PJ's three-hole playoff, and British Open's four-hole playoff. So they want to be in, in between them. I hate it. And I understand the the logistics behind of coming back the next day to play 18 holes, but that was one of my favorite traditions in golf. It was so cool. I mean, I mean, I I'll, hate that they did away with it. I, I, I can't stand it. And and if you're going to change it, I, I don't mind the three-hole playoff because, I mean, what do we always talk about, guys? Three-hole stretches in golf. So I don't right. mind a three-hole playoff. But two-hole's weird, and four-hole just seems like a little too much. So either do sudden death or do three-hole <laughs> playoff. I mean, it's just, why are you trying to be different? I don't know. It just seems so for, ig- for the record, it seems ignorant to me. For the record, sudden death would be my vote. Obviously, the 18-hole I loved. Tiger Rocco, that was unbelievable. But sudden death, there's not wrong with sudden death you play yeah. 72 holes you're tied go out hit the shots you got one hole you got one hole to beat the person you're playing against go do it i yep. love that i agree i love that now we got you know you could bogey the first one and then she bogeys the second one and we keep going and all this uh should also make note as well last week sean sean fang decided not to play the constellation match at the match play finished two shots off the lead t4 so 200 245 000 got rested so, yeah. up what what winner take home this week what's also one take mil home? mil for sasso Almost uh, just a little under 600K for, for second. So, good thing Maya Stark wasn't, didn't win or finish second, or that would have been such a travesty. You think, uh, you think that money will come in handy for a 19-year-old? Uh, it would have came yeah. in for a good 19-year-old Maya Stark. <laughs> 84,000. I mean, good God. Maya Stark's probably <laughs> older than the champion. Maya probably. Stark's probably 21. Nah, this, yeah. this, or 20. This She's amateur, sophomore, I think. It just, every time I scroll through and I see an amateur and I see zero and I just see all these other dollar amounts by these <laughs> players, and I'm just like, oh, my God. I just want to... Oh, it's so frustrating, guys. So, so frustrating. Change uh, the topic. Change the topic. So Somewhere. you're about as frustrated as Bryson DeChambeau was on Thursday and Friday evening whenever he got off the golf course. Uh, I, just Maybe closer to Brooks was on Friday after the, at Kiowa. Uh, with yes, Bryson. Yeah. yes, Brooks was, yeah. yeah, that was just really good stuff. So the Brooks-Bryson feud, it's not going away. It's growing, as a matter of fact. So we've got fans out hollering Brooksy at Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, and pretty much everything I was going to say about this, Taylor Gooch said earlier when we had him on. Yeah. As long as you're not yelling at a guy's backswing, or if he's like standing over the ball, like taking his breaths or something, getting ready to make a swing, okay, don't yell Brooksy at him. But if he's just like walking down the fairway or like he just got to the tee box or something, and somebody's like, Brooksy! Like, to me, as long as it's all in good fun, I'm here for it. I don't know how anyone could be on the Bryson side of this argument right now. I don't understand uh, how you can support some guy that kicks guys out for yelling Brooksy at him. I mean, have have some thicker skin, Bryson. My goodness. Uh, but I, re- I did think it was really cool uh, what Brooks did, you know, giving out <laughs> the free Michael cases of, of beer. Yeah. Which uh, I'm sure the tour was a big fan of because do y'all know what the official beer of the PGA Tour is? Is it Michelob Ultra? It is Michelob Ultra. Win, yeah. win, win. Yeah. Also, I guess this answered our question of is this going to be positive or negative in the eyes of the uh, the PIP or whatever it's called yeah. because apparently this is a positive <laughs> he's, he's thing. He's trying to make it positive now. And, and you know, th- th- this this will be the thing I say about it is is that 
you know, we, we're, we're going to whip Bryson, and rightfully so. But Justin Thomas, a few years ago at the Honda, did the same thing when someone told his ball to get in the bunker on the 16th hole. So, and I mean, he, he did come out after and say that was a mistake. Yeah. Well, and he, and he pretty much got ripped for it. Everybody yeah. was like, dude, come on. It's kind of the same way with Bryson. I, I will say, like TG said, if anybody yells in his backswing That's to heckle different. him, okay, get those guys out of here. Those guys aren't golf fans. They don't know what's going on. Get them out of here. But, I mean, most of it seems like it's in good fun. Like, yeah. as long as it's in good fun. What's the problem? Yeah, it, I guess my the only question I have is like, like obviously Bryson's a polarizing name, so he'll have bigger crowds. But like, if one guy just follows around Bryson all day, like the guy from Happy Gilmore did, and called him Jack, <laughs> you know, Jackass. yeah, you know, at like at, how many holes do you have to go with the same guy yelling Brooksy at you before you get? Kicked? I mean, like, is there a line that you draw, or are you just supposed to play from, the whole eighteen holes here and having someone yell at you? From the sound of it, it sounded like it was multiple people, though. Yeah, it, it yeah, was it, absolutely. I know Taylor's just saying, like, what if one guy did follow him around all day long? But like, by the time he got to thirteen overkill. or fourteen, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd be. Okay, if that happened, by the time we get to the back nine, I'd be okay with Bryson turning around and saying, okay, we got this, this guy will not but, give it a rest. But, but, Can we get him out but, of here? But, yeah. then, but then you pose the problem of, let's say, someone different on each hole says it. You know, So then it's the exact same as if one person did it 15 yeah. times. Yeah. You know, it, all you come, could, it all comes down to what TG said. If they're not changing uh, the course of play and you're not yelling in guys' yeah. backswings because it's not like basketball where you know everyone's yelling. You and, know, and, so. and, right. and we've seen the fine line of that. The guy threw popcorn on Westbrook. Or the guy that yelled, I mean, you can't do that. The guy that like yelled that. in Tiger's backswing at the British Open when he was yeah. battling Molinari. Even the guy who yelled in Cheaton Reed's putting stroke at Kapalua. Who right. I, even I rooted for that, but yet still. I mean, it's still not right. <laughs> and, and I will say, I don't totally love the comparisons to like basketball or football because in basketball or football, the whole idea is crowd noise. You know, yeah. you get all that crowd noise going, amps everybody up. In golf, it's the total opposite. Like, yeah. if I'm standing on a tee box, I'm 10 feet away from Bryson DeChambeau. I'm, it's quiet. I'm talking to him. He can hear me. I, he can hear everything I'm saying. That, to me, is very different than being in an 18,000-seat arena yeah. where everyone's yelling and it just turns into crowd noise. I, I do think it's a little bit different, but as long as it doesn't get out of hand, I don't have a problem with I, it. I, I Ryder, did, Ryder Cup's the only exception. I agree. Every yeah. year. I did see, right, well, even at the Ryder Cup, don't yell in people's backswings. But yeah, what I'm or saying throw is, stuff at people. Yeah, what, I'm, what I am saying is I read a deal that Brandel Chambly wrote and basically trying to compare this thing because, you know, it, for backstory, you know, Bryson, excuse me, Brooks and Brandle, we got a bunch of BRs right here. Brooks, yeah, this could get confusing. Brooks, Brooks, Brandle, Bryson, say that three times. Brooks, Brooks and Brandle, you know, haven't gotten along in the past, and Brandle kind of writes a piece about, you know, the NBA, you know, the guy. That's totally different to me. The Russell Westbrooks or the Kyrie Irvings or Trey Young getting spit on, they're just yelling Brooksy at him. I right. mean, come on. Right. Like, have thicker skin a little bit. Yeah, like, I mean, if somebody throws a water bottle at Bryson while he's stepping yeah, into a shot... they kick him out. Kick him off the course. Yeah, you know, like, him. that's... Yeah, that's way crossing a line. But... Yellen Brooks, he's not crossing a line. No. You know, I mean, if I went to a tournament, I wouldn't do it. Like, I'm just there to watch golf. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't need to get into any of that. But I understand some people, you know, go out there, have some fun. Michelob Ultras might have been flowing. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. You know, it, the one example I'll make is, you know, people trying to heckle. I mean, just look at Tiger. There's that infamous uh, video that went around of the guy was wearing the shirt of Tiger's mugshot. Yeah. And Tiger walked down the ropes and he just smiled and laughed at him. <laughs> yeah. Walked away. It's like, you just accept everything in humor and quit being a... a you know, sore loser all yeah. the time. Yeah, just fans. And fans being fans. And you know what? I mean, we talk about Bryson. I mean, he, I had him at the PGA. He didn't play that well. Didn't seem to do. I mean, he had kind of what a backdoor top twenty this last week. I mean, is he just a little upset? But hey, that his game isn't where he wants it to be. By the way, you were talking about Ryder Cup pairings, Bryson and Cantlay. Bryson and Cantlay. That would be uh, their, their games yeah. complement each other. Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, I wouldn't hate. Gosh, I can't wait for the Ryder Cup. They're going to be an infinite amount of storylines. Uh, that's way down the road. Anything we missed in the in the world of golf today, boys? I'm sure we did, but we had so much to cover. I don't think that so. if, if we did, we apologize, and we'll get to it tomorrow. Yeah, we absolutely. So we'll be back at it tomorrow. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Follow us, uh, Instagram, 73rd Hole, Twitter, at the 73rd Hole. Huge shout-out to Taylor Gooch for joining us once again. Give him a follow on Twitter. Let's help our man out in the pip, can we? Yeah. Give him a follow. Tweet at him. He loves interacting with the fans. He's been having some 
fun uh, lately. That's at Taylor Gooch on Twitter. He'll be back out on the course here in a few weeks after the U.S. Open. Uh, previewing the Palmetto Championship coming up tomorrow. Uh, should be a lot of fun. New course, new golf tournament, some big names. Uh, DJ's going to be there. Brooksy will be there. So uh, a lot of good stuff <laughs> going one? on yeah, this week. Bryson exactly. or Brooksy? Which yeah. <laughs> yeah, which one? We'll, we'll solve that mystery and much more tomorrow. Thanks for listening once again to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.